Amen. Thanks, Adrian. Good morning, church. How are you? Okay, that's good enough. Um, so yeah, I get to, to be here this morning and share, and, and, I, and I hope that it's, it's going to bless you. Um, I, it's, it's such a special day. Did anyone have a great Mother's Day? Anyone got something really cool this morning? Anyone get a chance to sleep in that wouldn't normally? One of the blokes up the back, that's good. Um, <laughs> Mother's Day is pretty special. My mum's just moved up the coast, so I got to FaceTime her this morning with Lydia, so that was pretty fun, and I'm super thankful for my mum. Um, there's lots of things I love about my mum. I'm just saying this because she's going to listen to the podcast later. So, um, I love my mum. She's she's a great cook. In fact, she's such a great cook that my brother um, often, when we were younger, he would go to a friend's house, and and if his friend invited him to stay for dinner, he would call up our house and and call mum and say, "Oh, just let me check with my mum, make sure I can stay." And then he would call up and be like, "Mum, what's for dinner?" And um, she would tell him, and if it was just like leftovers or something, he would tell his friend, oh yeah, I can stay. But if mum was cooking something, he'd be like, oh sorry, mum says I've got to go home. He, um, he's a pretty smart kid, but my mum's a great cook. She, she loves us so much, and, uh, and I'm thankful for her. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to be necessarily preaching a Mother's Day sermon this morning, but I do have one Mother's Day joke, so you can, uh, you can, you can enjoy that. That's my gift to you. I don't have chocolate. But uh, a mother gets on a bus with a baby. And you might have heard this joke. She, she gets on the bus and the bus driver says to her, that is the ugliest baby I have ever seen. And she storms to the back of the bus and she sits down. She turns to the man next to her and says, that bus driver just insulted me. He says, well, you should go give him a piece of your mind. He's like, you go up ahead. I'll hold your monkey. Ha, ha, ha. I don't know why. It's, uh, it's actually a story about my mother and me. No, it's not really. Um, but uh, I know that all of you guys are beautiful children, and, and it's, uh, it's funny, my, my wife works in, uh, in nursing, and she works in the NICU, and sometimes she sees these babies, and she's like, that baby looks a little bit interesting, like, I don't know if it's, it's got all the pieces it needs to have or something, but then she, the parents come in, and she's like, oh, okay, it looks exactly like it's mom and dad, that's good. So uh, it's pretty funny how they can all look different, but we all think they look cute. Um, I just want to start with a story. I... Uh, a few years back, I um, went to organize a hiking trip with some of the guys from my church, um, my last church, and, and we kind of invited it to guides of all ages, and we had about seven or eight of us that went on this hike in the Blue Mountains, and of course, being blokes, we, we chose a really hard walk. We looked at the maps, and they said easy, like medium, hard, level four, level five, and we're like, yeah, we could do that, like that's, that'll be easy, and so we, we, we signed up for it, and, and a lot of these guys had never done hiking before, and we, we hiked the whole first day. And we, we were, it was, it was hard going, like it was a long way to go that first day. I can't tell you the name of the hike, I forget, but, but we walked a long, long time and it was super hot. It was like summer and so we're all dying and we're carrying probably way more weight than we need to be carrying because we've, we've got everything. One of the guys brought like salmon and he brought like all of this food and, and he brought a hiking chair with him so he could sit down at the other end. It was ridiculous. But anyway, so we get there at the end of the first day and all of us are so tired except for like this 60-year-old guy who, who had done a billion hikes before and he was showing us all up. But um, we get there the first day and we, we were tired, so we went to bed that night and we all wake up in the morning and all of us are like stiff and sore and we're like, we're not going to make day two. Like day two is harder than day one. And so we were like, what can we do? And, and uh, we, we turned to the 60-year-old wise guy and, and he, he knew uh, a shortcut. He knew a way out of this valley. And so we're like, okay, let's do that because we don't want to go this whole thing of day two. Let's just like 
get up the top, we'll have some lunch, we'll go home because like, I'm not going to be able to move tomorrow. And uh, so we, we take this, this shortcut and it was called Perry's Pass, I remember that because um, it's kind of scarred in my mind. And uh, we, we, we started hiking this, this hill and it was a shortcut but the thing was it was just like straight up, it, it, like no flat, no anything, it was just straight to the top. And uh, so we start climbing this thing and, and I remember seeing the, the top and I was like, okay, that's not that far. Like, I think I could, I could do this. Like, I'm pretty sore, but if I can get to there, that's it. I can, I can go home. I can go buy a Slurpee on the way home and just enjoy it. Like, we'll probably get there midday. It'll be lunchtime. It'll be great. So we start climbing. We get to the top of the first peak that I thought was the peak. And we get up there and I realize, oh, that's not the top. And we look and it goes up again. And it goes, this time it goes up even further. And I'm like, my goodness. But we look down. I'm like, well, I just did all of that. Like, I can probably do all of this. Meanwhile, we're all dying, we're sweating, we've drunk all of our water because we thought we were going to be there already. And, and so we keep hiking up this thing and, and I get to the top of the next peak and I realize that's not the top either. And it happened about five or six times and I'm like, there is no top. Like this is, this is stupid, we're just going to be hiking for the rest of my life. I think I've died and I've ended up in hell somehow and this is like, this is it, I'm going to be hiking for the rest of my life. And we finally get to the top and we were exhausted and we all lay down and it was like, mid-afternoon it was like late afternoon so it took a lot longer than we thought but we were happy we made it we, we accomplished it we did it and uh it was it was crazy and all of us remember that and we all laugh about it and I think for the next like two weeks I honestly could not walk I was so sore I remember I got out of bed in the morning to go to work and my legs didn't even hold me up I just like fell to the ground but it was one of the hardest physical things I think I've ever done in my whole life it was it pushed me to the max like I thought there's no way I can actually make this, but somehow I just took like one step, the next step, I just focused on just little, little short goals. I'm like, if I could just make it to there, I'll be good. So I make it there and then I'm like, all right, I can make it to there, I'll be good and just keep climbing. And, and we made it. And, uh, and, and I was just thinking about this and, I, and we realized that there actually was no easy way out of that valley. We'd hiked into this valley and one way or another we had to get back out. And I think sometimes that's what life is like. Sometimes there are just no shortcuts in life. Sometimes we get to a place, we get to a situation and, and we want an easy way out, but there actually is no easy way out. One way or another, we're going to have to push through something extremely hard to get to where we need to go. So my, my sermon this morning, as you can already see, is called No Shortcuts. And sometimes uh, that's, just, that's just the things that life throws at us. So I just want to pray really quick and then we're going to dive in. And I hope that it, it blesses you this morning. I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you're challenged, but, but I don't want it to be all condemning and like you guys are doing a crap job come on it's not like that kind of a sermon it's it's I want this to be encouraging I hope that this morning you could be motivated I hope that this morning you're blessed by this um, and, and know that I am definitely preaching to myself first and this this is something that I struggle with this is something that I was blessed with as I was just looking into this so anyway I'm just going to pray Lord I thank you so much for this morning I thank you for this opportunity to be here I thank you, Lord, that you love us. I thank you, God, that you have great things in store. I thank you that, that you want good things for your children. As Mia said, Lord Jesus, that, that you are a good God. We can count on that. You have good news. And we thank you for that, Jesus. I pray this morning you would speak to our hearts. I pray that this morning you would challenge us, God. Lord, we just want you, God. We don't want anything else. We want you, Jesus. And we pray that this morning that you would speak to us. Lord, not my wisdom, but yours, God that would walk out of this place strengthened and encouraged. In your name, amen. Cool. So, no shortcuts. So sometimes there's no easy way 
of doing things. The problem is, I think, the problem is for us is that, that uh, we don't like doing hard things. Does anyone here like doing hard things? Yeah, that's good. It's usually always one person that's like, yeah, me. But um, none of us like doing hard things. And if we have an option to do something harder or do something easier, we'll take the easy option. Like no one sees the stairs and they see the escalator and they're like, I'm going to take the stairs. Most people don't do that. Most people are like, I'm taking the escalator. Most people, when, when we, we have an option for something easier, we'll take the easier option. If we, if we have an opportunity to park our car close to the shops or we park a block around the other side, we will take the, the close parking space. None of us go and take the furthest parking space. Some of us do if we try and have other motives, but, but we, we choose to take the easiest option. That's just the way we're wired, and it makes sense. Like, there's, no, there's no point in doing something hard for no reason. But we've so, we've so gotten used to this, this avoiding hardship. We've so gotten used to that, that seeing hardship as a bad thing that, that we often avoid it. We often run from it when it comes. We often see that hardship is, is bad. We see hardship is like the wrong choice. When often it's actually not. We live in this age where everything is available right in an instant. We call it the instant generation. I live in the instant generation. I've got proof of this. I remember one time I was at the office. Actually, it's probably happened multiple times, but I was at the office and, uh, and I remember someone was heating up their stuff in the microwave. Like I used to go at 12.00 because that way I could be first to get there, put my stuff in so I didn't have to wait for anyone else. I could have my food first. But I got there at 12.00 and someone had already had their food in the microwave and it said two and a half minutes to go. And I'm like, my goodness, two and a half minutes. I'm like, who heats up their food for two and a half minutes? Everyone knows like a minute and a half is plenty of time to heat up food. Like... What if she got some frozen meal? Like, you shouldn't be eating frozen meal. And I was totally judging this person because I didn't want to have to wait two and a half minutes to eat my food. I remember thinking, I hope that when you eat that first bite, it burns your lip and you learn your lesson that you shouldn't have to. And it's ridiculous. It's because I wanted my food when I wanted my food. I didn't want to have to wait. I remember thinking, why don't we have two microwaves in this place? Why do we have one microwave? Like, seriously. And it's crazy. Like, a microwave is the fastest way to heat up anything. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. And uh, I remember another thing, or you guys might have done this. You're waiting in line at McDonald's in the drive-thru and, and you're thinking to yourself, come on, what is taking so long? Like, I've been sitting in this line for what feels like forever. It's probably been like three minutes, but you feel like this is stupid. Like, this is supposed to be drive-thru. It's supposed to be faster than going inside. And you're getting frustrated and you forget that, that the people inside are actually cooking dinner for your entire family for a couple bucks. And you're sitting in your car. You haven't even gotten out of your car, but you're frustrated that you have to wait so long to get your meal. Anyone else done that? Is this just me? Just me and the guy at the back. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we get frustrated when things don't happen as quick as we want them to. What about um, when you're watching a movie on Netflix or iTunes or YouTube and, and you get that little buffering wheel? Anyone get frustrated at that little buffering wheel? Yep, the wheel of death. I hate that wheel. And it comes up and we're like, man, this internet is so slow. Like, what is wrong with our internet? And I want to call up Telstra. I want to abuse them. Like, this is ridiculous. And we forget that we're actually watching a movie like instantly. Like I decided about 10 seconds ago I wanted to watch a movie. I'm watching it in my lounge room like instantly. Before I would have had to go down to the shops and hire a movie and, and cycle through all these rubbish movies in order to find a good movie. But now we can just watch it in an instant. And when we have to wait a few seconds for buffering, we go crazy because we're in an instant generation. Anyone else relating to this? Have I hit, have I hit everyone? Is there anyone that can't relate to any of these stories? Because I will give more examples if I have to. We live in this instant generation and we're so used to having everything when we need it. 
What do you do when you're waiting in line for something? You're waiting at the bus stop, you're waiting for your coffee. We all pull out our phone straight away and just like want to be entertained in that moment because we, heaven forbid we actually have 30 seconds where we don't do anything. We have this, this stuff available to us all the time in an instant at every moment. And we're so used to just being entertained whenever we want it. It's crazy. We, 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 we are training ourselves to not have to push or pursue or persevere for anything. We see these, uh, these diets, right, that promise you'll be thinner in less than a week. You see them on the internet on the side all the time. Anyone get those? I don't know if I've clicked on the wrong things and now they're all appearing on my, my webpage. But you see these diets that promise to make you thinner and healthier in one week. We see these, these lotions and creams that advertise that you see instant results and you'll, you'll lose aging overnight. And You see these, all this stuff that promises that, that it can make you richer quicker, it can make you healthier faster, it can make you thinner quicker. We, we see all this stuff and, and we want it. We actually believe it. We want to believe it because we want an easy way. We don't want to actually have to go through something hard in order to get the results we want to see. We, we want an easy way out. And we believe this stuff. We like to. You see, what I'm learning is that, that doing hard things is actually really, really, really good for us. Doing hard things is actually really, really good for me. And some reason we always associate hardship, hardship equals evil. Like hardship equals bad, bad news, like it's not good. But that's actually not the message of the Bible, and that's actually not what God's been showing me, that hardship is actually really, really healthy for me. It's actually good for me. And what I'm learning is that sometimes it actually takes more faith to stay rather than to go. Sometimes it takes more faith to stay in something rather than to go and step into something new. You know, we talk about faith, we talk about taking steps of faith, and we see, you know, we, we hear all these exciting stories, and we're like, you've got to step into the new, you've got to take courage, you've got to take a leap of faith, you've got to step into the unknown, and, and it's scary and it intimidates us, and it's true, we need to do those things, but, but sometimes faith isn't about, about doing those things that, that are big risks like that. Sometimes having faith means sticking around and, and sticking with something that you don't want to stick around in. Sometimes it means we have to see something through. And that's not very fun because sticking around is actually a lot less exciting. It's mundane. It's repetitive. Sometimes it seems like nothing is happening. It's like, why am I doing this? Like, this is ridiculous. And we would rather run. We would rather step into something new. And God's like, no, actually, I want you to stick around. Sometimes staying could be, could be a job. I know that God's challenged me to stay in a job for a while that I really didn't want to stay in. And, and I remember like having this, this wrestle with God, like, God, oh, I don't want to stay in this job. It's hard. Have you seen my manager? Like, do you know my manager? Like, this is hard. I don't know. I think you have met my manager. He goes by the name Lucifer. Like, he's, he's a terrible guy, and I don't want to be here. The people I have to work with frustrate me, and the situation sucks. And God's like, actually, I want you to stay. Like, I don't want you to quit. I'm like, oh, like, I don't want to hear that. And it took more faith for me to stay in that job than to try and find something new. For some people, it can be staying in the church community. It's so easy to run at the first sign of hardship when things get messy and we're just like, bam, I'm going off to the next church. But sometimes staying actually takes a lot of faith to stick around with a group of people where, where life gets messy and you start to see people's flaws, you start to see imperfections, you start to realize that the pastor doesn't actually know everything. I'm only just finding that out, Adrian. I thought you were perfect. And we get frustrated and we're like, God, but all these people are so messed up. Like, I should be going, I, I have it all worked out, right? Like, I have everything 
sorted, like you've done a work in me and, and I'm righteous and I'm totally holy and I've got nothing wrong. And Surely there's another group of people that are just like me and they're perfect and we're going to get along and we're going to snub our noses at everyone else who has it wrong. But every church I go to, there's these people that are imperfect and they frustrate me. And God's like, actually, I want you to stay. I want you to stay long enough so that, that you'll actually begin to see that you don't have it all worked out, that, that I actually want to do some stuff in you, that I actually want to mold you and change you into a better person. Sometimes staying can look like remaining single for a time instead of pursuing a romantic relationship. That's a hard one. God's challenging us that, okay, I'd actually want you to stay single for a season. We're like, God, no, 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 no. <laughs> single, that's like a Christian swear word. Like, I'm not supposed to stay single. And God's saying, but I want, I want your heart first. And it's hard, especially I think Christians are the worst in this area. We're like, oh, you should be married. Like, what are you doing? And we're all trying to hook everyone up and we're all trying to make sure that everyone's matched up and, and God's actually challenging these people sometimes. I want you just to stay single for a bit and, and trust me and learn to love me and be content in me. And sometimes we're the worst at not helping these people stay in that season to be content in that. And God's challenging these people to stay and it takes faith to stay. God calls us to stick with some things and it's not fun and it's pretty hard but God doesn't want what's easiest for us. God wants what's best for us, right? There's this thing called perseverance, right? Anyone know this word, perseverance? It's not a fun word. It's not a word people tend to get excited about when we hear things like God calls us to dream, God calls us to joy, God calls us to freedom, God calls us... We get excited about these things, but someone says God calls us to perseverance, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah. God calls us to persecution, yeah, woo. Like, no one gets excited about that. But God calls us to these things. Being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, affliction, faithful in prayer. Romans 12 verse 12. I press on towards the goal that I may receive the prize. Philippians 3.14. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. James 1 verse 12. It's the message of the Bible. Perseverance, hardship sticking at it. The Bible is filled with this thing, this message of endurance. God calls us to be a people that don't run at the side of a hard circumstance, but we're actually His children, we're actually His, his loved ones who, who actually do hard things and see great reward. Thomas Edison, this guy's he's a nutcase. I've been looking a lot at his life and man, this guy had some resilience. Like, he, I don't know, if you want to look a little bit into his life, he's crazy. Some, he just kept going. He just kept sticking at it. And because of him, we have some amazing stuff. Like this guy invented incredible amounts of things and uh, not just the light bulb. And uh, he, he has this quote. He says, the three great essentials to achieve anything worthwhile are hard work, stick to and common sense. For some reason, we, we forget this. We, we, we don't like to remember this. We, we forget that that hardship is, is good. We, we, we see hard things coming and we leave. We run. We run for the back door. You know, we think, we, we, we come into a hardship and we think, this must not be God's will for my life. Like, God must be closing this door and he's opening another one somewhere else. And we run and we turn the other direction. And God's actually saying, no, 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 I want you to stick this thing out. And sometimes we settle for less because of a bad thing that scares us the other way. Sometimes we, we settle for less even though God wants more for our lives. 
but we don't have the courage to see it through. What if we actually saw hardship as, as a good thing? Like, that'd be crazy, right? What if we actually came into a hardship or, or we saw a hard circumstance or we knew that we we're going to have to go through something ahead of time and we actually saw that as a good thing? Like, that'd be crazy. That'd be a total game changer. Like, what if we actually believed James when he writes, you know, if you, uh, James writes in, in James 1, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, right? No one likes that verse very much. What if we actually believe James when he said that, when he says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. You see, some things are only developed over time. Some things just can't be achieved overnight. There are, there are some things that we need in our, in, our, in, our, in our walk with God that can't be achieved overnight. Some things have to be developed over time. Things like patience, character, trustworthiness, faithfulness, loyalty, strength. There are no shortcuts to these kinds of things. And we wish there were. We wish that there was a way, but, but trust has to be earned. You know, loyalty has to be proven. Patience has to grow. Strength has to be built. Character has to be developed. And we're just like, no, no, I'll just pray for patience. Like, God, give me patience. And we just want him to kind of just drop it into our lap. And all of a sudden we're like, man, I feel super patient now. Like, come on, slap me in the face. I won't even care. It doesn't happen like that. Like, patience has to be grown. Patience has to be tested. And praying for patience is a very dangerous prayer because when we pray for that, what does God do? He gives you an opportunity to be patient. And you're like, no, this is not what I meant. These things take time. And if we cut the process short, we actually won't see these characteristics being built into our lives. It's crazy because in some sense, if we see it like that, if we see that this is the only way where we're going to achieve these things, if we see that this is the only way we're going to develop these characteristics, that actually can be an exciting thing when we see a hardship. That's my daughter, poor thing. She's like, Dad, you're going on and on. That's enough. Sorry, Lydia. There's no shortcut to these things, as I said. We can't pay for it. Can't read a book about it and just expect to have it. Can't pray for it and expect God to drop it into your life. We, we need to work for these things. Everyone wants to be successful, but, but very few people actually want to do the work required to get there in the end. You know, we see these people that have these great jobs in the world, and we, we look at that and we're like, man, I wish I had that guy's job. But what we don't see is we're just seeing the surface. Like We don't realize the amount of sacrifice that's actually gone into, into getting there. The amount of years that we're... We're blood, sweat, and tears in order to get to that place. We just want the end result. We don't actually want to have to go through the stuff to get there. I remember when I was in YWAM, we, we, we went sailing again and again. I learned to sail. It was super fun. We had these little Hobie cats, and, and we were on, in, in Belize um, in the Caribbean, which was amazing. So we're three months studying Bible college, basically. It was like a holiday for three months in the Caribbean. I went out spearfishing, caught lobster, and brought Oh, man, I won't, I won't rub it in, but it was awesome. And... Um, I learned to sail, and so Hannah and I could take this little boat out and go sailing whenever we want. But the thing was, it was this season where all of this seaweed, like, would come in, and it stank. Like, the whole beach smelled, it smelled like a cat had died, and then another cat had eaten that cat and then died. And then a dog ate that cat and then died, and then it was bad. Like, it stank so bad. And, the, and from here to, like, easily the doorway, maybe even further, was just, like, all this seaweed. They're just sitting there kind of rotting in the water. 
And, and, it, and it was just that season on that island, like everyone's beaches stank and they had all these people out there trying to shovel it and get rid of it. And so I remember you had to walk through this stuff in order to get to the open water where you could go sailing. So we had to push this sailboat through all this, this stuff. And I'm just stepping, like trying not to think about what's under the water because I know there's dead birds, there's like fish under there, there's all sorts of grotty things. I don't know, it's probably like somebody's arm. And I'm like walking and anything you feel, you're like, oh my gosh, what was that? And you, you're walking through this sludge and this stink and your legs are turning brown. You're like, this is terrible. But you can see the Caribbean on the other side. And so you're pushing this, this boat through this muck and you, you finally get to open water and you jump on and you wash off your legs and you go sailing and you just enjoy it. And you try not to think about the fact that you're going to have to go back through it to get back. And it, was, it reminds me of that. As, as sometimes there are things on the other side. And, and, and we had a lot of people that didn't want to go sailing because they didn't want to have to go through the seaweed. And Hannah and I are like, awesome. Like, we'll take the sailboat whenever we want then. Sometimes we have to go through some stuff in order to get the reward that we want to see. I think I was talking to Nat about this the other day. Yesterday, talking about... You know, Chloe's doing drama and she, and she works really hard and she, she wants to pursue that dream, which is awesome. And we were talking about how often lots of creative students have a lot of talent, they have a lot of skill and they love acting, they love dancing, they love singing, whatever it is. And, and so they decide, I want to make this my life, like I want to pursue this thing. And, then, and they go to, to university, they go to study, they go to whatever to pursue this dream and they get about a couple of weeks in and they realize this is actually a lot of hard work, like... It's taking the fun out of dancing. It's taking the fun out of singing. It's taking the fun out of acting. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And that's, that happens to musos. It happens to all sorts of people. You know, we have jokes about musos because we know that a lot of them quit all the time, right? There's a, what's the difference between a, a muso and a large pizza? A large pizza can feed a family. <laughs> Terrible. I didn't make that joke up, so don't, come on. The drummer jokes are worse. I'm a drummer and the drummer jokes are definitely worse. Like, <laughs> what do you call a drummer when his girlfriend leaves him? Homeless. Um, <laughs> terrible. But we, we see this, these people that wanted this dream and they, and they fall short and they realize it's hard work and so they give up. And that's the end of it. And we see some people that stick at it and they pursue it. We see some people that are trying so hard to get to that dream and they're, they're giving it their all. But the only way that we can make it is if we're willing to put the work in. And uh, that, that applies to all of us, not just musicians, not just creatives, but so many of us have to go through some stuff, have to, have to go through the hard season if we want to get to where we want to go. I was just at Fresh Hope Collective, as Adrian said, with the, with the gang. It was super fun hanging out with Adrian and Heather and Dan and Dan and um, Hannah and Lydia and Nat. Um, and Isaiah, of course, in his little spaceman suit. That was pretty cute. So we had a great time, and um, this guy was speaking. His name was Kurt. Was his last name Thompson? Yes, got it. And uh, he, he studies the brain, and he's a psychiatrist. And he was super smart. But I have to admit, when I first saw that he was going to be speaking, I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be a dry week. Like, this guy's a doctor or something. Doctors usually are pretty dry. But um, he was awesome. Like, he was a great communicator. And he was talking about the development of the brain and talking about Christianity and how Jesus fits into all of that. And it was, it was really encouraging, really challenging. But I remember he was talking about that it's actually really good for our brains to practice. Like, none of us like to practice. None of us like to have to do the repetition of practice. 
But he said it's actually better for us, like if you're learning piano, it's actually better to practice 15, 20 minutes a day rather than just play two hours once a week. Like it's actually heaps better for your brain and you'll learn it quicker and you'll learn it faster with this repetition, with this persistence of practice. But he said this quote and it, and it was cool. He said, the things in the world that are the most durably sustainable are the mo- and the most beautiful all take a very long time to form. The things in the world that are most durably sustainable and the most beautiful all take a very long time to form. God challenged me a couple of weeks back when uh, I was in worship at chapel at college. I go to C3 College and um, every fortnight we have these, these worship mornings and it goes for like 45 minutes and it's awesome. I just love it. Just kind of find some space and I just worship and just pray and seek God. And, and I, was, I was praying and I was just like, God... Like, I just want to hear from you. What do you want to say to me? I just want to hear whatever you want to say. And, and God actually challenged me at that time um, with something. He kind of showed me a picture, which I won't kind of share because it'll take a long time to explain the whole backstory. But essentially what, what, God, was in challenging, what God was challenging me to do is, is, is that I, he showed me that I'm actually settling for less in my life that I'm actually starting to compare myself to people that I shouldn't be comparing myself to, that, that I'm actually setting the bar of my life too low. I'm kind of setting a goal for my life is too low. I'm setting it to something that I think is pretty high, but I know that I can actually reach it. And God's saying, I don't want you to set that bar at something you can reach. I want you to set the bar at something that's totally impossible because the only way that you can get there is with me. And so I realized that I was living a life and the, and the things that I was aiming for were just too small. And, the, and they seemed like a big dream to me, but God was like, I want you to dream bigger, man. Like, and that's scary. Like, it's kind of encouraging because like, okay, God sees I've got potential. But the other part of me is like, yeah, but that's like, oh, like, I'll just stick with this other goal. Like, it's still pretty good. Like, God's encouraging me to, to push a little harder, to go for a little more. And we don't want to because it's hard. I don't want to do it because it's hard. But I'm learning that, that sometimes hard things is the best for my life. Maybe today you're about to quit something because you thought it was going to be easy and you're realizing now that it's actually pretty hard and you're telling yourself that God's closing that door. But maybe I just encourage you to pray that out and to look into that. Maybe talk to some people you trust because maybe God's not closing that door. Maybe God just wants you to push in and go for it. It might be harder than you thought, but God maybe want to do something great in your life. Well, I know he does. There's this story, right, in the Bible, Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. Anyone know that story? No one? Yeah, didn't think so. Um, the Israelites, they come up to this city. God tells them that they're going to step into the promised land. Joshua's leading these people. At that time, it was hundreds of thousands of people. Some people say probably millions of people leading. Like, that blows my mind. I don't know how you lead that many people. But they're going and they come into this place called Jericho and there's this big impenetrable wall and they know that there's no way through it for them. They can't take this city. So Joshua goes and prays and God says to him, he says, I want you to walk around this wall six days and I want you to walk around it once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times and then I want you to blow some trumpets and sing and then the wall is going to fall down. And I'd be like, God, that's like, really? Like, that's a pretty weird strategy. Do you want us to like kick the wall a little bit as we walk around, like loosen it up? Or, But God just says, I want you to walk around this thing. And so he goes and he does it. And what's, what's interesting is I was thinking about it from a soldier's perspective because the Bible doesn't actually say that Joshua went and told all the soldiers his strategy. The Bible just says, and so Joshua went and he told his men to march around the wall. 
So you could kind of think like these guys are going and they've got their armor on, they're ready to fight, they've got their swords and, and Joshua's like, all right, go march around the city and come back. And so they go and they, they walk around and the guy goes home to his family and his wife's like, you're back early? Like, what happened? Did you, did you win? Did you guys fight? Did you kill some people? And he's like, oh, we kind of just walked the lap around the city. He just walked around the city. Yeah, we just walked around the city, just one lap. Kind of came back, have some lunch. She's like, okay, okay, was that like reconnaissance? What was that? Was that? And so he does that. And the second day he goes out, Joshua's like, I want you to march around the city again. So he goes around, comes back home. He's like, what did you do today? Did you kill anyone? No, you know what we did yesterday. We just kind of did that again today. <laughs> and so they do this day after day for six days. And these guys are totally just trusting that Joshua knows what he's talking about, that he's hearing from God. And they're walking around this city for six days and they don't see anything happen. Like if I was Joshua, if I was one of these soldiers, I'd be like, I would want to see some kind of progress. I would want to like walk around the first day and the whole first layer of bricks falls off and I'm like, woohoo, seven more layers to go. Like you see it dropping off as you're going, or maybe just some big cracks developing in the wall. You're walking around like, look at that crack, that crack's getting bigger. Do you see that crack? And you're walking around this city and you know that it's about to crumble, but they don't see anything. They walk around for six days. They actually walk around it six more times before they see anything happen on the seventh day. It's only on the seventh time that they, they finish and they see this thing crumble. But sometimes that's so much of what it's like in our lives, isn't it? We, we, we feel like we're in this situation where we're walking around and around and around and we're not seeing anything happen. And it feels like, like nothing is going on and we feel like we're in this stupid spiral and we're wasting time and nothing's going on. And I believe that God is challenging us today to, to stick with it. Because what we don't realize is these guys could have given up on lap number six. They could have given up and, and realized that they were only one lap away from victory. And I think sometimes we give up just, just one lap short of victory. Like how sad would that be? We, we don't see anything going on. And so we're like, okay, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And we quit. And we don't realize that God is actually ready to deliver this thing that we need to see. Galatians 6 verse 9, if we can get that up on the screen. Galatians 6 verse 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Turn to the person next to you and say, do not give up. Turn to the person on the other side that you ignored and say, you can do it. Don't give up. What if we talked about, last time I was preaching, I talked about Naaman, the leper. What if Naaman only washed himself six times and then he got out of the river? What if he's like, this is not working and he just gets out and he leaves his miracle? What if, what if Elisha had only prayed for rain five or six times? What if, what if Moses had stopped asking Pharaoh to let his people go? What if Jesus got off the cross and said, this is just too hard? There's some things God calls us to where he's like, I want you to just keep going. Stick at it. Don't give up. See this thing through. You don't know how close you are to seeing victory. And I just want to encourage you this morning to trust God, to keep going. This is, such, this is one of the biggest reasons we need each other as a church community. We need to have people in our life who are around us and they can say to us, you know what, like I, I realize what you're going through is, is crazy. It's super hard. But man, like don't give up. Keep going. 
I'm here with you. Let's do this together. Let's walk this thing through. Let's see it happen. We need to be encouraging each other to to keep going, to not give up, to pursue the things of God, to see His kingdom advance, to not stop short of the things that He wants to do in our lives. I believe that there's great victory waiting. I believe that there's a success story on the other side. And, and, and what we also forget is that, that in the middle of all of that, even when we haven't got to the end, that, that we're actually becoming better people through this process. We're actually growing. We're actually, God's actually expanding our capacity, that we're actually becoming stronger soldiers. We're actually, we're actually strengthening as, as, we, as we go through this thing. And God doesn't want us to cut that process short. I believe that a lot of the time it's actually up to us for how far we want to go, for how much we want to see happen. We can walk away from it. We can say it's just too hard and we can leave it at that. And kind of like if we were in the valley at, at Parish, uh, Perry's Pass, whatever it was, if we were in the valley there, we could have just said, it's too hard, just camp in the middle of the valley and just live there the rest of my life. And some of us kind of do that in a sense. And, and the great thing about God is that God doesn't punish us for that. God doesn't look at your life and, and know where you can be and it gets too hard and you, and you stop. God doesn't punish you for that. God's actually not disappointed in you. God's actually not like, you pathetic person. But God is actually, he's like, okay, that's all right. Like, I know what you're capable of. I see the potential in your life. But we can work with this. God, God loves you so much. And that's not what this is about. But God is challenging us to push harder. God's challenging us to press in. God's saying, if you're someone that wants to see me move mightily, then go for it. Don't stop till you see that. Some of us here are going through some absolutely terrible things, things that I can't even comprehend, and, and I'm not trying to minimize that. I'm not trying to dismiss that. I'm not belittling that. I, I, I get that. I, I feel for you, and I, and, I, and I know that it's a hard circumstance. I just want to encourage you this morning just to keep going, to not give up. Like, we love you. We're here with you. We want to support you. We want to help you as best we can. We want to see you see this thing through. We want to see victory on the other side. We want, to, we want to see families restored. We want to see lives restored. We want to see communities restored. We want to see this stuff happen. And we can't see that if we, if we don't push on, if we don't press in, if we don't keep going. And so this morning, I don't know where you are. If the band wants to come up, you guys are more than welcome. I don't, know, I don't know where you're going. I don't know if you're at the beginning of a season and you're, you're looking at it and you're like, that looks pretty hard. I don't know if I want to walk through that. Maybe that's where you are. I encourage you just to trust God, to start walking through that thing, to, to get through this hardship and see what God has on the other side, to see what God has in the process of that. Maybe you're in a place, you're right in the middle of it and it feels like it's been going on and on. You feel like you're those Israelites, you're walking around and around and around and you're not seeing anything happen. I encourage you to keep going. You don't know how close you are to victory. I've heard so many testimonies of people that have have had to go for 10, 20, 30, 40 years before they see the miracle they want to see. It's not the news we want to hear. We want to hear that it's going to be over soon. But but God wants us to be people of persistence. God wants us to be people of perseverance. God wants us to endure. God wants us to grow in strength and patience and and wisdom and, and, uh, and understanding. God wants to do a great thing in your life. God wants to use the people in this room to shape our community. And we want to see that too. And we want to be there with you. We want to do this journey together. We need each other.
So this morning, we're actually going to take communion together as a family. We're going to drink the wine, we're going to take the bread, and we're going to remember Jesus, remember who He is. And I encourage you this morning as you take that to remember what Jesus did for you, that He didn't give up, that He still doesn't give up. Sometimes I feel like God should have given up on me a long time ago, but He doesn't. God's faithful. God remains steadfast. God's love doesn't change. And so I encourage you as you take communion this morning, just to stop and just to think and to pray. And just see what God is saying to you. And I'm just going to leave that with you guys. If you want to take communion in your own time, it's on the sides and up the back. Spend some time with Jesus this morning. You guys are great. And I know that we're going to see God do some mighty things through your lives.